from uh, uh, the Bay of Naples. And my name was not always Howell. My name was Gargiulo, because uh, I come from an Italian family, so that explains. So I haven't been in the sun, <laughs> lazing. Has anyone here been in the sun in the last uh, few weeks? No? <laughs> okay. Well, we've been, I, I've been told, uh, I was instructed to speak in each meeting on the Holy Spirit. And I understand that Hazel spoke to the ladies a little bit about the Holy Spirit. And this was all because you yourselves are embarking on a real careful examination of the Holy Spirit. And that's a wonderful thing to do if the Lord is leading you in that direction. It's very wonderful to look at the, at the Spirit. Now, I've kind of gone backwards uh, in my speaking uh, because on Friday night with the men, I spoke mainly about the Holy Spirit and his anointing. So I want you to pick up these words, anointing to service. Uh, and then on last night here, there were maybe 20, 25 of us together last night, and I spoke really, though I never used these words, I spoke about the Holy Spirit as being the one who is our, the anointing for life, for us to live. You can't live a Christian life without the Holy Spirit. You can't serve truly without the Holy Spirit. Anointing for service, anointing for life. So those, those are things, but the, this morning I want to look at one phrase not very carefully, a phrase of eight words in the Greek. Um, eight words in the Greek. Some, some versions it's nine or ten words in English. And uh, what I'm going to talk about is what's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now some of you, I'm sure, might be like me, and that is that you could tell the day and the hour when you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Not everybody is like that. Now I was interested when Mark mentioned and the little children came up, and how how old was uh, our young Peruvian friend who came up? What, how old is she? Twelve. You see, I really met Jesus when I was about ten. It was very deep, very real, very significant. But in my life, I was not baptized in the Spirit till I was in my early twenties. And so I had 10 or 
12 years groping and uh, struggling. And one of the reasons I didn't know anything about the baptism in the Holy Spirit is because nobody told me. No one told me about the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons I know that people didn't tell me, and I was going to church, in fact, I was very involved. Uh, it's very interesting as I look back, and I think that uh, when I was 18, 19, 20, among other things, do you know, I, I played the piano, and I led a band, and we played in places like the Albert Hall regularly. So it's amazing. It, it involved with church things. Birmingham Town Hall, Glasgow Town Hall, big concert halls. It's a long while ago. But I'd, I'd never been told about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I was, uh, I was in trouble and need. And then I began to hear about the Holy Spirit. I began to meet some people who had a quality of life, a reality uh, a, that was quite different to, to, to what I was generally used to. So for instance, um, and this began to offend me about the Holy Spirit because I thought, and I'd been taught, it was all automatic. So you, you believe Jesus, you believe in Jesus, and automatically you have the Holy Spirit. And uh, that's how I'd gone. But I knew I had no power. And I knew that even though I was sincere, now, there may be other people in the room and, who are not like in, anything like me, where, because of course there came the time it was a struggle. I have to say this for a couple of years, because no one receives the Spirit unless they become, in a very real measure, broken, humbled. Their pride has to be dealt a death blow. So I struggled, and uh, then because I became so desperately hungry and thirsty for reality, and was willing to come into total obedience to God, and, uh, and let me say this to you, no one is baptized in the Holy Spirit without a deep, deep heart repentance for their pride, their arrogance, and their selfishness. That's an amazing thing, but it's true. Uh, Peter says, and this is a quote from Acts 5, which I won't uh, take you to, he says, he's being questioned by the religious leaders who haven't got the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? He's being questioned by the religious leaders who have not got the Holy Spirit. 
And as they challenge him, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? You're just a fisherman. How did this happen? Why are you preaching like you are? Peter says, along with his friends, male and female, by this time, he says, uh, it's because of the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Whom God, in other words, the inference is, you haven't got the Holy Spirit because you're a bunch of disobedient Christian leaders. Well, Jewish leaders, they were. And they were offended. Well, wouldn't you be? you thought you were, here's an Irishism, if you thought that you were the bee's knees and the fly's ankles. That's, that's an Irishism, all right? And, uh, and then this man who's a fisherman, supposed to be ignorant, is preaching, he's a preaching dynamo. And uh, hallelujah, he says, Holy Spirit. Now, there's so much um, that we need to look at, but would it surprise you if I said to you how rare references to the baptism in the Holy Spirit are? Would that surprise you? They're, they're very rare. So you will find them in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and one man says to everybody who come to listen to him preach, there's someone coming after me who's greater than me. And Jesus said that the man who said this, John Baptist, was the greatest of all the Old Testament people. No one got baptized in the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. Possibly I'll upset one or two people's theology here. Well, I'm quite happy to do that. Um, because truth will set you free. And I say this to you all. Don't be casual with God. And don't sing songs about the cross if you're not prepared to be baptized into the life of the crucified. There's far too much that's casual in the churches today. Three quarters of the songs have more of me in than the Lord. Now the phrase we're going to look at is the one that John the Baptist said four times. He didn't say it four times, but it's recorded. And you must remember this, that one of the rules of interpreting anything in the Bible is first reference contains the seed that produces the fruit. First reference. This is the first reference. John the Baptist, the greatest prophet of the Old Testament, says someone's coming after me 
who's greater than I, I'm not worthy to take his shoes off, and what's going to be significant about Jesus is he shall baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. That's what's going to be significant about Jesus. That he will have this ability and right to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. So that is what it says in the Matthew account, chapter 3. So I want you to put your eye down. I want you to, to read it because um, we need to look at it carefully. As for me, so this is uh, Matthew 3, verse 11. As for me, this is John Baptist speaking, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who's coming after me is mightier than me. And I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with, or you may have a little mark that says, in the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. It's quite a statement, isn't it? Then, Jesus says this. So now I switch over into Acts, so I'm just looking at the references. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And Jesus uses this phrase, uses baptism, he says, Gathering together, verse 4, these are the apostles who'd done miracles, who'd done wonders, who'd uh, preached. Gathering together, Acts 1-4, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, you've heard of me, from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's quite, uh, quite a, a challenge, that. If I put it this way, don't do anything without the baptism. Apostles who've already known something of uh, real happenings, don't do anything without the Holy Spirit. The Father's got something for you. It's going to come from heaven. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to know an empowerment you haven't known before. 
You're going to know an indwelling you haven't experienced before. You're going to know an enablement that you haven't known before. So don't go anywhere till it happens. And you all know what they did, don't you? They didn't exactly know the time span at that point, but what they did was that they gathered together and began to pray. To wait and to pray. To wait and to pray. They were waiting on God and they were praying and I wonder what they were praying for. Jesus, you said, you promised that something would come from the Father. Come on, Lord, do it. That's what you would pray, isn't it? If you knew that uh, someone wanted to give you something that was so wonderful. And remember, these men had already tasted power. I mean, one or two of them had even raised the dead. I mean, they cast out devils. They'd really done, seen some stuff, but it also tasted, and this is the thing, their own incredible frailty. They all ran when it came to Calvary. They all disappeared from the scene because Jesus exposed to them they didn't have what it takes. That's the thing. And, uh, you know, he was left alone. And it was some of these lovely ladies who stuck around the cross. Whereas the, the, the men, you know, John, it seems, was, he stayed pretty near. You know, but the rest of them were scattered and fled. And they, they knew, we need whatever you're promising, Lord. We don't exactly know, but you've called it this baptism in the Spirit. And then you and all, uh, we all know that it happened on the day of Pentecost, history. Um, tremendous, really. But it didn't only happen on the day of Pentecost, because when you actually go into Acts chapter 10, you find that uh, it happened there where God did something from heaven while Peter was preaching to Gentiles. And as he was speaking, the Holy Ghost fell on them and they were baptized in the Spirit. It's one of the other references where Peter says, because he got back to his Jewish friends um, and, he said that, and they were criticizing him. What are you doing going to uh, Gentiles and preaching to them? You know that Gentiles are outsiders. This baptism is for us, us Jews. We are the chosen race. What were you doing going preaching to them? And then Peter says, well, I was there and some of these other friends went with me and we saw something happen. As I opened my mouth and began to speak to these, these Gentile people, one of them was a soldier, he, he says that God, uh, the Holy Spirit came and uh, they were baptized in the Spirit. He actually uses the phrase, just like us at the beginning. How about that for a statement? 
So if we said to Mr. Peter, so Peter, tell me, when did your real Christian life begin? He would say, well, it wasn't when Jesus called me. He said, my, my real Christian life really began on the day of Pentecost. That's when the church began. That's where everybody begins. So the real dynamic of the Christian life is dependent upon this thing called the baptism. At the beginning, and God went, how could I argue with God? How could we talk? Because he went and he baptized them, just like he did to us. <laughs> wonderful, really. Making no difference. Isn't that wonderful? Male, female, Jew, Gentile, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You know that I talked to you. I mean, Simon said to me that he'd been to India recently. He said, I hear that you used to go to India. I said, yes. And sometimes I was there for six months. I wasn't a short-termer. Sometimes Africa still... We go and it's wonderful to see the same spirit baptism happen to black, <laughs> white, Indian. You understand? And this transforming power. Now let, let's just concentrate ever so simple because I said to you that first reference contains the seed of everything. So John the Baptist, this, I'm back in chapter 3 of Matthew. John the Baptist says, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So now I'm going to say it to you in, in the Greek. All right? No, I'm not going to say it in Greek, but I happen to... Anyway, it doesn't matter about Greek, though there's some Greeks here. Uh, but I, I thank God that more than 50 years ago I had to learn New Testament Greek. And uh, it, sometimes it's very exact. So this is how it says. It says, where, where my Bible says, uh, he will, this is how it actually says. He, you, baptize in the future, future tense in spirit, holy, and fire. And of course, because of English, you have to sort of juggle the words, but it says, he, you, will baptize in spirit, holy, and fire. And you say, well, why have you said it to us this way? Because, uh, you know, it's very wonderful. We live in days where human persons are becoming little better than beasts. You know, you're just a number. You're not a person. You're not a man. You're not a woman. It's a creeping paralysis that is working in our society. You may think I'm overstating things, but I know I'm not. 
Mark me clearly, within 15 years in this country, they will legalize the removal of every doubtful fetus from the womb of a woman. Every fetus that appears to have anything wrong. Mark my words that they will drop the age of sexual consent so that men can have boys of 10 years old if they've got the 10 year old's consent. Mark my words. It's the direction that things are going. Inevitably. And you must remember this, that the world is never going to be destroyed by a flood. It's going to be destroyed by fire. Do you know where the first occurrence of the word fire is in your Bible? First reference to fire. God looked down on two towns and he looked at their sin, their sodomy. And he came and he judged them with fire. And you mark my words. Sodomy, call it by its name and don't call it gay. Because it's not gay. And alternative lifestyles and all the rest of it, God hates it. It is an absolute total blasphemy against his image in man and woman. And there's only one way. Do you know, when I used to live in Australia, there was a wildlife park over in West Australia where we lived, and I can remember walking through that park. We sometimes took guests there. And there was a big sign that said, just to warn you, that there are controlled burnings that take place in this park. By these, we purify the park of disease and vermin. Controlled burnings. That's one of the reasons why God is going to end this creation in fire not water. Now you know what's going to emerge increasingly in social relationships. You thank God that Mr. Trump has temporarily been brought in to because he's no saviour but if he has a little measure of success, he might slow down the processes of evil, the degradation of society. God is going to judge at the end with fire. Is that what Peter prophesied? He will say, I don't like these things. Wake up! Young woman, wake up from your pride. Young man, we're in a war zone. You're going to have children. Some of you have got them. Oh, God, save our kids. 
They're, you send them to the school, they'll be indoctrinated. And they'll come home to you and say, I don't know whether I'm a man or a woman, Dad. I'm told I can choose. Probably nearly every man in this room who's above 15 years old can say that when he was in his early teens, he dabbled a little bit in thought with some nice boy. And it was a passing thing. And even girls, I tell you, we need a baptism in the Holy Spirit and fire fire that burns out our disease. Hmm. You understand what we're saying? And the vermin of sin. Hallelujah, that's what Jesus died to give us. Such an act. So here it is. It is he, you. So, all right, he, you. Nothing in between. And this is what it means. He, you. He, you. Who's he? Because it's ever so simple, the the scripture, really, because this is one of the ways to read. So take your time. Who's he? Who's he? He, John, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So Bernard won't. Hazel won't. Hannah won't. You understand what I'm saying? He. John the Baptist saying, I won't. I can't. He. Now, Bernard may be there at the time it happens to you. Hazel may be there at the time it happens to you. Hannah may be there at the time it happens to a person. You understanding me? But it's not them that do it. It's not them that transfer something to you. This is something that he does. Who's he? He's the Lamb of God. What else is he? He's the son of God. Who else is he? He, he, he. He's Jesus. Is he, is he holy? Is he judge? See, we don't think these things, but he's judge. He's Lord. He's king. He, he. And then the next word is you. Hallelujah. I, I, I love the, the juxtaposition in the Greek of these two words. He, you. He, you. Thank you, Lord. He, you. Nothing between. You know, not, this isn't something abstract. He will go. Harry Potter. Magic. He will take you. He will come close to you. Amen. He will not shun you. He will embrace you. How many, you know, I can remember baptisms. You know, I've been to so many baptisms and it's a while since I conducted any baptisms. But, you know, there was one a uh, guy that I know who baptized people like this. So they'd be in the big tank in the church and he'd get the people to come in and kneel like this 
So their sort of heads were above like this. And then I baptize you. And you shove them down. And then bring them up. I never liked it. I never liked it. What I liked was when the man would take, and sometimes it was difficult, if you've got a very big person you're baptizing and they're really big, you know, and you think, you got, am I going to get them up again? And you, and you hold them in your arms. I baptize you. And you put them under and they're in your arms all the time. And then they, you bring them out. It's a lovely symbol. Jesus says, I will baptize. He will baptize you. Holds you in his arms. Holds your person. Your person, you. This isn't abstract. This isn't mechanical. Am I making sense? It's like Facebook's not very real, really, is it? It's useful in ways. So it's not very, it's a bit of a lie, really, because you're not face to face. I mean, you listen to a cassette of me t talking today. Some people will say to me, oh, I've been listening to you for 15 years. This is the first time. You're much better in the face. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's true even on Facebook. I mean, what grandmother here would much prefer to meet and face to face? You, you, you know what I mean. Thank God for electronic helps and all the rest of it. But he, you, who's you? Uh, well, in the context... Do you know what Jesus had just, uh, sorry, John the Baptist had said to the religious leaders, the Sadducees and Pharisees come to him? He said, what are you doing coming to my baptism? What are you doing? You generation of vipers. You bunch of corrupt guys. He's still talking to them. He said, you know, bring forth the fruits of repentance and you, Jesus will baptize you. Yeah, this is for everyone. If they will turn from their wicked ways, for everyone, Jesus will. Now, what about the word baptism? I mean, it's an unusual word, isn't it? It was actually a word in use in those days. Shall I tell you some of the uses, ever so quick, of the, of the word baptism? Now, of course, in those days, they used to dye cloths. And when they dyed cloths, so they had white cloths, and they wanted to dye it purple, they would make the dye, the dye would be suspended in the water, and then they would get the piece of cloth, and they would baptize it, that actual act of dying. Now, get this picture in your mind because it's a very good one of what Jesus uh, does with us. You know, I can remember my mother that, uh, dying some, some, some cloth. I can remember her changing the color of things. And I can remember her, and there's the big bath of dye, 
and uh, you know, it's all there, and she'd get whatever garments it was, and she would plunge them in there, she would soak them in there, you know, she would shake them around in there, nobody dyes things nowadays, I suppose, but <laughs> you know what, she'd shake them around, and she'd pull it out, make sure it was right in and impregnated, now this is a wonderful pi picture of the baptism in the spirit, that's what he does with our personality, with us, with me. Bernard, did you realize I did this for you on March the 11th, 1966? I happen to be one of those who knows the date. 1966, when I was in my early 20s, he did it for me. But I didn't realize he's taken my personality and he's put me in his Holy Spirit. And all the riches that are in the Holy Spirit, which is the life of the Father and the Son, is what's in the Holy Spirit. And he put me in there and he says, Bernard, I want to shake you around in here till what's in me is in you. <laughs> are you getting me? What's in me is in you. Baptized. And another use for the word baptism was this. It was, they would baptize their hands. That word, ba clean. They'd wash their hands. Baptism, they used the word baptism for cleansing. When the act of cleansing was, the word baptism was used. Baptismos. I cleansed my hands. Uh, baptized my hands. Another use of the word baptism was the, it was the word when people were being initiated into something. Now, I don't know whether you would like this baptism. Because in those days, there were other religions, false religions. And into those religions, people got baptized. I'll just describe one of the ceremonies for you. It's a bit bloodthirsty. There would be a pit. And uh, if people were going to be initiated into this, they would be brought to this pit. And the priest would strip them of their clothing so they stood there naked in front of everybody else and then they would go down into the pit. And then this big grid would be brought down across the top and then they would bring bullocks, several of them, and they would kill the bullocks on the grid so you know what happened to the blood. It all poured down on the person who was being baptized into that particular mystery religion. They were initiated into its mysteries. I don't know if any of you know anything about masonry. You know, but they go through a baptism into this level and that level and the other level. And as they go into those things spiritually, as far as the things of God are concerned, a mask goes down on their heart. So baptism has to do with being initiated into the wonderful mysteries of the gospel, of the things of, of God. Amen? Amen? 
It's, it's wonderful when you see this. And the word baptism was used like this. So um, uh, I've done a little bit of washing up at uh, Simon and Corinne's house. You know, and if you're like this, in our home, do you know, we, we've got a dishwasher. I think we've used it twice in three years. We're hopeless, but uh, we tend to baptize things. So what do you mean baptize them? Well, the word baptism in the Greek was when they took a small vessel and they dipped it and held it in a large vessel. And that's a great picture of the baptism in the Spirit, isn't it? I'm the little vessel. And the Lord Jesus takes me and he puts me in himself and in his Father by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I, I'm the little vessel. I'm now living. He doesn't take me out, by the way. So baptize. He you shall baptize. Then it says, in. Little words, in. Your Bible might say with. That gives you an example that it's a little Greek word that uh, they have difficulty translating. Is it with or is it in? Because they're different. I mean, the Holy Spirit's been with us, but in. Amen. He will baptize you in. He will put you in and leave you in. There is an environment. So you're like uh, in spirit holy. You know, it doesn't say holy spirit, it says spirit. What kind of spirit? Holy. Define holy spirit. He will... Immerse you in spirit holy. Is that what you want? Spirit holy. So you switch on. Now what's the man's name, the director? Oh dear. If I see that he's directed a movie, I would not even bother to watch it. I've forgotten his name. He's a man who's in spirit unclean. So when he directs a movie, out of his spirit he speaks. And there's murder and mayhem. Spirit unclean. Do you remember in the Bible it says, a man came with an unclean spirit? Spirits have characteristics, you see. But our blessed Holy Spirit is Spirit Holy. Spirit Holy. So if I am baptized in Spirit Holy and I learn to walk in the fellowship with the Spirit Holy, what will I become? Holy. Holy. Pure, holy, glory to God. He will baptize you in spirit, holy. You see, we don't understand how much that is happening 
I mean, you must, you must pray for those that go to university. You must pray for them. Because there are men in professorships and they are sworn to defile. They want to defile people's thinking. This, thank God this is not true of all professors. But many, they are sworn to especially criticize everything Christian and of God. It's because they're drinking into another spirit. It's not Holy Spirit. He wants to baptize you in spirit, holy. It's happened to me. It's happened to many here. And then it doesn't finish there, does it? Because it says, spirit is holy and fire. Fire. Fire purifies, fire banishes, fire consumes, 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 consumes. Tell me a word, another word in English that's linked with consume. Linked with it. Consumation. Now you must understand that very clearly because the Lord... It's the fire that will enable you and I to come to the consummation of what it really means to be human, a true man, a true woman. Our Lord Jesus was burning with a holy fire. The fire of holy love for his Father and my brothers and sisters, he came to his consummation. Because that fire consumed him, consumed him, but he was not destroyed by it. He was kept pure by it. Love keeps you pure. It is a baptism in the holy love of God. And that love keeps you pure. The more that baptism of love works in you and me, you know, baptized in that consuming love that makes you love the Father, love the Son, love his mission on the earth. Are you listening to me? Love his mission on the earth, not duty. You're not forced, but makes you love your fellow brothers and sisters that makes you love your neighbors. You know, really love your neighbors. Really love. My, now our next door neighbor's sick. The lady of the house, she has something called silent, whatever it was. And we hear the report later going around our little, uh, I didn't know anybody did that anymore because my wife prepares extra food and she takes it in every day. Just, and this lady, the report went round. I didn't think people did that. Why? Because you love your neighbor. It's the consuming love that the Spirit of God is we're baptized into. And you must let that love consume you, consume you, consume you. You know, Wall Street men in their suits consumed by a love for the dollar. 
some of them. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. They're consumed. Why do they do it? They're consumed. Why do we go out on mission? Why, my, my brothers and sisters, your mission begins with where you work. With those that you meet. So you're not forcing the most bucks out of the deal. You're measuring things because you're consumed. You're baptized in that holy love, fire that consumes you. Now we're talking process as well as crisis. The baptism is the gateway into the process of a continuing transformation. Now I'll have to stop. Much more to say, but I don't want to stop without, because part of the purpose of ministry like this is, of course, to help awaken our desire. To help awaken our desire. Oh, may I... I mean, I don't need to ask to be baptized in the Spirit. And many in the room, you don't need to ask to be baptized in the Spirit. Why? Because it's already happened to you. But you must say, oh, this wonderful Spirit. I want to live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, serve in the Spirit, be a companion of the Spirit, a friend of the Spirit. Oh, forgive me, Lord, for grieving the Spirit who all the time has been within me and I haven't listened to you. For many of us, that's what we should be. Oh, let the anointing of your Spirit Spirit will be increasingly released in me unto service of simple burning love for people according to the gifts that your Spirit gives us. Amen. Amen and amen. For many of us, we don't have to say, oh, baptize me, because we already are. We have to say, oh, Father, help me to, to cultivate the friendship of the Spirit, to be attentive, as Simon prayed, I think it was, or someone did, to be attentive, perhaps it was Mark, to be attentive, attentive to the Spirit. You carry him around in you. He's in you, he's come. Are you listening? Are you listening? Am I hearing? Am I hearing his comfort? Do I get still enough? And there are others of us who never realized that he wants to baptize you. He, you, he, you. Isn't that wonderful? He wants to get you in his arms. Sorry, I've gone on a bit long. The kiddies are probably getting fed up. But, um, well, I'm going to pray for the, those who are leading them. Because <laughs> right? uh, another, another little... But you know what I'm saying? Oh, Lord, make this real for me. Amen. Amen. You see, oh, I, I, I just, I, my appetites. Oh, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, I come to you for this spirit baptism. What you do and do alone, and it mean, might mean that you'll have to go to Mark 
sometime when you become convinced that it's for you, Peter, others, uh, you go to them and say, will you pray with me? And as you agree together, the Lord Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. You see, you've got to become convinced. That's the thing. Yes. You, you must come sure, because you, you come in faith and certainty. Oh, Jesus, do you want to do this for me? Some of us feel so ashamed. Surely Jesus doesn't want to take me in his arms and immerse me in his spirit. And then he has to convince us, doesn't he? So, amen. Amen.